use my own self as an example, 40 years of living a life that was suppressed and, you know, not really able to connect with my, with my heart space and, and to be able to, you know, not, all the conversations that I would have were very surface driven. They weren't deeper levels of curiosity and really getting into somebody else's world. Uh, there was a level of like protection that I would, you know, uh, like armor that I would have on uh, to not let somebody truly see me. But as I keep going into this shadow work and inner child work and stuff, start unpacking that, I find like I, I'm actually really curious about somebody else's world. And I, I'm also open to sharing mine, you know, what's in there. Because I know that every time that I can, I can get into bringing that up to the surface, it's there's a level of healing that happens just from the the sharing and being vulnerable and and dropping in with uh, deeper conversations with friends and you know just exposing that. This is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and today I'm hanging with two amazing men. First, I've got my husband, BJ, who is my co-host for the show and partner in Creating a Better World, which is our mission at Yogi Triathlete. Also with us today is Ian Myers, a return YTP guest from 2018, episode 99, where we dove into his powerful transformation story, which we which began with the first 30 years of his life being vegetable-free. Today, Ian is a wellness advocate, podcast host, lifestyle and plant-based nutrition coach, meditator, and someone who is always looking to lift the limits on what no longer serves him. While still in his 20s, Ian was silently led to the doorstep of disease with a life sentence of medication, but with great resolve, he went to work on educating himself back to health. Ian is dedicated to sharing his knowledge and experience to assist others in raising their level of health. He teaches and empowers people with the necessary tools to live a healthy lifestyle and maximize their human potential through plant-based eating, exercise, and developing a healthy, balanced mindset. I can't wait to catch up with this guy, so let's dive right in. Ian, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's a beautiful introduction. Oh, thank you. You are a beautiful human. Like I'm, you kind of feel. I mean, you don't kind of feel. You feel like. One of those people in my life that's like a brother. Mm. And I'm just so excited to have you back in our home. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to marinate in that for a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Receiving that fully. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, where I want to jump in is we've, we've stayed connected over these last couple of years. I had seen you going into a Vipassana meditation, a 10-day meditation, which our listeners are familiar with because we just had Danielle Mack on and she talked about the Vipassana meditation. We've talked about it before. And you were in that meditation. You were in that 10-day meditation when this whole COVID thing hit and quarantine hit and you came out of it like, whoa. So why don't you take us, um, actually, before we even hit the transition from Vipassana into quarantine, let's talk about the experience at the meditation. Mm, the um, the meditation being like actually in the Vipassana. Yeah, like, like how, because you've done this was. before. Yeah, this was the third time. Uh, so number three for the for the Vipassana. These are 10-day increments. And um, the each one of them has really had its own unique unfolding to it. And this last one I had, it, it took me a while to really let go, um, a couple of days to really just let go of all of the attachments to technology and 
just what was going. I had actually just left a job. I was doing some work in the corporate and corporate world. And, uh, I got, I reached a point where I just, I knew that it was time to transition out of that. And I, this, the way that the Vipassana came up for me was, I'll just share a little bit on that just to create the context. It was, um, was really fascinating to me because I put it, I, I left the, the job and the very next day, uh, let me back up. I, I, before I put the notice in to leave the job, I, I put an application in for the Vipassana. It was full. So they put me on a uh, waiting list and the waiting list was for a future one in like, I think it was April. And what ended up happening was I left my job the very next day. I was, I said, you know, I'm going to drive to Joshua tree. I just want to go out and, and I, I, I'm not employed right now. So I'm going to go out to Joshua tree and just, you know, have, have the experience of being in that environment. Literally, as I was saying that to my ex-partner at the time, I got an email from the Vipassana Center and it came through mid-sentence as I was speaking that and saying, I'm going to go to Joshua Tree. And it said, we have one space that came available. Somebody canceled and it, it, we need a response back immediately if you want to, if you want to join and we need you to be here within 24 hours. I said, well, that's great. Cause I'm already, I was already <laughs> planning on going. So I kind of like teed that up and just manifested it. And so I got really excited. I knew that that's exactly where I needed to be. And that, that kind of kicked it off. And I drove out the next day. I found that the, I was really excited to be there, but I also had this energy that needed to get cleared from leaving the job. And there was a lot of, um, things that were unfolding with the job that were intense. I could feel lots of things happening there energetically. And I just knew that, um, I needed a reset. And so that, that experience was, um, serve that. It was a, it was a, an opportunity to really hit the reset button. But I noticed like the first two, three days in there took me a while to really get embodied, to drop into that, that place that's required to just be, you know, the observer and to just surrender. And so, um, my experience this time was actually, I had a couple of breakthroughs that came through, um, after the third day of, you know, actually getting, more embodied and just present being there and surrendering into the practice. Probably about day five, I, when we break into the actual uh, Vipassana, uh, we go from the Anapana breathing and then we go into the actual Vipassana practice on day four. So day four and five, the intensity level goes up because in Vipassana, you want to be just sitting. You don't, when you read, when you start the Vipassana practice, um, they don't want you to move. Whereas the Anapana, the first three days, you can actually adjust yourself and move a little bit if you need to. And so day four and five, the intensity level goes up a little bit more. And, um, I had a, I had a breakthrough that happened. Um, the, the, the past two Vipassanas that I was in, I had, I kept having this intense pain on my back, like right in the center. I think it was almost like right behind my heart chakra, you know, like intense pain. And, it got to the point where it was almost, um, uh, I wasn't able to manage the pain. I thought, you know, I need to, I need to adjust myself. I need to, it, it got so intense. I was clenching my fist and having a really difficult time sitting. And, uh, I, I eventually had this moment of clarity where I just took a deep breath and just surrendered and the pain went away and then it came right back, but I was able to sit with it. And so that was a, that was a huge breakthrough for me to be able to, experience that what did um what does 
surrender feel like? Oh, that's a great because question. we know that with these, we would call them like up levels, right? With these kind of up levels, where I mean, you might have had this too along the line where you're like, oh, that's presence. Like, oh, a year later, like, oh, wait, no, that's present moment awareness. You you get these deeper experiences. So not so much like an intellectual, how did it feel, but like, how did it, what does it feel like to surrender? Because the feeling is mm. is really the experience. And we have to experience these um uh, these actions or qualities like surrender in order to learn them. Like we can talk about them all day long, but it's, it's in the experience that we actually learn them and adopt them and live at new levels. Like we never forget them. I think, yes, that is a great question. And if I can just, I'm just thinking of what comes to mind first and surrender for me in that moment was when I took that breath and just let go. Um, something came over me where it was like, it was a calmness, you know, like a, a, a feeling of being in, embodied, like in my body. And that, that fully, that presentness just allowed me to, to let go. And then when the pain disappeared and it came back, I just found myself to be able to be able to sit with it and observe it rather than being like trying to change my posture. And- so the calm wasn't disturbed. It wasn't disturbed. It something happened where I made the distinction between the two of um, the discomfort, but then the surrender, and then I was able to lean into that, and and then there was like this sense of calmness. Whereas I was really agitated before. There was a, a I was extremely agitated because I was in pain, and I was like, I I need to move. I need to get a chair. I don't know if I can do this. And so when I, when I had that that moment of just letting go. And dropping into that space, which felt calming, it, like a calmness came over me. And I'd never felt that before. So it, I knew something was happening. And the rest of the time I was able to, the pain would come up, but I would just sit with it. And I was able to actually just observe it and rather than trying to change it. So that was a big, for me, that was a big breakthrough. Yeah. I mean, the calm, the calmness is, it's, in, you know, we're invincible when we're calm. I feel like we're really it's unshakable powerful. and, and mm. calm being, I, I believe our, our essence, mm. you know, the calmness of, of stillness and the letting go was really that exhale. That was like just, just surrendering and letting go and then leaning into that moment and not trying to change anything, you know, and just being sitting with it and just mm. observing it was just a, different experience. Yeah. Not getting attached to it or trying to move my body or or even giving it any attention like I was balling up my fist prior to that because it was I was in pain and then now I'm just breathing and my hands are just sitting on my lap and it was a, a, it was like a new something new happened. I had a new experience. But you felt the the resistance so back to the presence like you can't have the stillness and non-resistance unless you can be there when you're resisting. Yes. So, <laughs> it gets right. Deep. Like you, you, if like to unpack all of that is like, it, it took me a little bit to make that distinction. Um, it was like maybe day eight or nine when I was just in contemplation in my room. And when I realized exactly what was happening, you know, like the first day I was, I sat with it and I was able to just be present with it. And I noticed something changing, but I didn't, wasn't able to make the actual distinction. And it took a couple of days for it to, you know, keep coming up and then to notice like, oh, I can sit through this. I just went the whole day 
Now, when I would go to bed at night, I would, I, I would notice the pain, but I wasn't like the, the first couple of days I, I was using a lacrosse ball and like rolling around on it, trying to, you know, work it out, work out the knot or whatever it was that was going on. I'm, I'm imagining that it was like a, an energetic type of thing that was coming up to the surface, uh, because I was in that deep state of presence and, and, and the meditation. And that brings, that allows the things to come up to the surface. So you get to sit with it. So it makes sense why my, it was behind my heart because that, is exactly the work that I'm doing now, which is like opening the heart. So that was like the pre, you know, that was the... Uh, oh, it's always preparing you for what's coming next. Yes. And for that, sure. So I, you know, that was my experience uh, this last time was very insightful. I had a lot, I just had a lot of emotional things that came up and then being able to sit through that pain and then, you know, coming at coming up to the end of the Vipassana when they briefed us on, you know, the world events had everything had changed since we were in the Vipassana and you know they briefed us on um this COVID you know the COVID pandemic has just exploded and is now all over the United States there's there's a state of emergency and you know it's really intense to be in a blissful state to hear that information we're all like wow this is this is really happening you know, it was like coming back from being frozen on ice or something. Like, what is <laughs> happening? The world is literally, uh, things are, things are really shifting. And so the, uh, there was a little bit of, uh, anxiety coming out of that, you know, and back. Did you ever pull on the threads of, um, you know, you're, you're coming out of this blissful state into a worldly situation where so much has changed, right? I mean, there's, there's now, orders coming down from the White House to the governors and through the states and the counties and the towns and all of that. Did you ever pull on those threads of like, just like with the pain, like nothing needs to change? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I just want to make sure I understood the question. Um, when you say nothing needs to change. Meaning like coming out of this and going, oh, why is this happening? You're like, just letting it be like you did with the pain. Yeah. Just let, like surrendering to what was happening. I definitely was accepting of what was going on. And I also wasn't buying into the whole fear um, of it. I was, uh, I was concerned, you know, I had concerns, make sure friends and family are okay. And I was curious about what was going on out there. And I was seeing that there was a shortage of toilet paper and I'm going like, what? This has never happened in my lifetime. And so I was, there was a level of, um, curiosity, I'd say. And then first thing I did was go to the store when I got back into town because I didn't prepare for this to happen. So I didn't have toilet paper. <laughs> and I was like, I'm curious to see if that, if this is true at every store. And sure enough, it was, it was quite a, um, it was a eye opening to walk in and see things totally different. And I could just feel the, the fear. And I was very clear and open, you know, that those first couple of days after still really tender and open to, um, I was still in a blissed out state. And after a, a few weeks of being back in the collective energy, I, things started to, to shift. I went from this hopeful, excited, blissful state to, you know, having a, noticing a little bit of fear and anxiety coming up around it. And then shifting out of that back into like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm feeling, I'm feeling more balanced, you know, and clear. But uh, I definitely had some waves of emotion that came up and just integrating back into the daily routines, which has all changed. 
Yeah. And that's that's our environment, right? Environment's <clears throat> stronger than our will for those that aren't going through 10-day Vipassanas or three of them for, in your case. So to, to slide back in, I'm, you said, you, you know, you started to have feelings of fear, but um, you still could discern between indulgence and what was true. Totally. For you. Yeah. Yeah. In those moments, uh, I was able to pull back. When I started noticing that come up, I was able to pull back. And luckily, my meditation practice is really is really strong. So that was that helped to keep me balanced, you know, and breath work and things and just movement outside. That helped to keep me balanced and can keep me somewhat dialed in. Uh, but I was still observing the and feeling the energy of the fear mentality and feeling it all around me. And so I had to, um, I had to really like go through a lot. And the girl that I was dating at the time, um, she ended up having, or she never got tested, but she went to the hospital and she had symptoms of what she thought was the virus. And, you know, we, we don't know hundred percent if that's what she actually, if she actually got it, but, uh, she was, she was really into listening to the media. And I think she worked herself into this whole state of, um, like the immune system got weakened and, you know, and then, so I come back to also supporting her and in, in her uh, recovery of that. Uh, we don't know for sure if that's what it was, but was able to, you know, be supportive in that. But that was still, that was a lot of intensity. Yeah. To So there is a lot of fear out there and there's a lot of fear being indulged. It's not about not feeling fear, right? Like it, it's not about, and I think it's, it's like meditation is not about stopping, the stopping thoughts. your thoughts. Right. It's about changing our relationship and our, uh, that we are, you know, in our identity that is so ingrained in our thoughts, right? We start to pull back and we start to make this space. So I, I too have felt kind of this psychic energy of fear move through me now and again. What are your tools that you use? So you come out of this thing and then the girl that you're seeing is, She's got symptoms of it and you're holding space for her. There's fear now coming through. What are some of the tools that you do to back away and kind of keep that space while allowing that energy to move through you? Oh, well, I think if I can identify that, I would say like some of the practices that I do on a regular basis, uh, one meditation is my always my go-to, uh, but then getting outside and just getting some movement. And that could be a variety of different things. It could be a bike ride, just a walk on the beach, although they were shut down during that time in the first part of this uh, shutdown. So I was limited to just, you know, walks on pavement and a bike ride. That was really it. And then the meditation was, uh, was really my, my, that was my, my rock. You know, that's what held it together. I, I feel like. Do you have any like inner dialogue? Like when you're feeling that fear, you kind of like, okay, whoop, there it is. Like, do you have kind of dialogue to, to make that distancing like do you see it can you f see like okay this is the fear coming in this is not me this is not what i want to entertain i'm gonna let it pass through like I, I, what i realize now is that fear is like it's self-created and i i can create this whole world of fear and i can buy into that and 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 really fuel that fire or i can look at it and just observe it and go okay uh, it's a feeling that i'm feeling okay well what is that feeling and try to you know tear that apart and go to this, get to the center of it so I can understand where's that coming from? Where do I feel the fear in my body? Trying to trace it down and find out where, where that's coming from. And the more present that I am through like meditation, the more I can identify 
where those, where that is, where that's, where that stuck energy is. And then I can, I can consciously kind of move through that or try to just put my focus and energy there to, um, to work through it. And what I've noticed with fear, I have a lot with podcasting and with doing YouTube videos and, uh, any, any time that I'm putting myself in front of an audience to be judged or loved or appreciated or, you know, all of those different variety of, of things, I feel like there is a level of anxiety that comes up for me or I don't, I wouldn't say it's fear, but there's just a level of, of, of anxiety that comes up around it. And so what I've started to do is I just go, I, I take a look at it and I observe it and I go, okay, yeah, it feels a little bit, there's something there. And what I usually end up doing is I just, I just go and show up like for videos, I'll just start walking and I might have a fear of something. So I, I'll start recording and I'll just, you know, I'll put myself into that state. Um, it, and, and sometimes I do it gracefully and sometimes it's really <laughs> challenging, you know, to, to put myself into that state, but it's acknowledging it, you know, just like not trying to fight it or, or change it, just acknowledging it and just feeling into it and, and, and also sharing, um, Hey, I'm feeling, I'm noticing a little bit of like anxiety coming up and just being transparent with it and do it anyway, uh, do it anyway. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Our, um, our yoga teacher calls it swirly energy. Mm. So when I was learning to be a yoga teacher, <laughs> he's like, you're up there standing for the first time in front of people. And you like, you want to dial, you want to get that perfect practice. You want to say the perfect words. You don't want to trip on it, but you're feeling anxiousness or, um, or fear or, um, doubt. But I, I like to do that, like swirly energy. Just don't label it. Right. So if you create, or label it something silly, like swirly energy. <laughs> Yeah, I guess right. So. Like it kind yeah. of disempowers it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and then you move forward yeah. despite whatever that is. So swirly energy, speaking in front of people. Swirly energy when you go to uh, time yourself in a performance or whatever it is. Keep going despite that whatever it is that you're feeling. And, and where we get into the trap is when we just we quickly label it. Mm. I'm super scared right now. I'm fearful of this. Mm, this does not feel good right now. Oh. And indulging in that. I, what? Well, I was listening. What was it? Yesterday we were listening to your podcast. I think I think it was with Shaden, who I love that guy. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, and we'll put a link to Ian's podcast in the show notes. But you were talking about, and I'd love for you to share this story about, you were going to do a talk. And you were getting really like worked up and scared mm. about it. Because oh, right, I, yeah, lo- yeah. I love that story. Mm, like you yeah. were going to go to great lengths to avoid speaking. Yes. <laughs> I, and I, and I finally had to get real with myself and go, look, I am, I'm feeling like scared right now. And I, it was real. Like I, I, the best way I could describe it, I remember going out to my car. There was a, it was an audience of about 150 people and it was at, it was in Sarasota, Florida at my, uh, my mentor, Dr. Robert Morris's class. And I was just going to share a little bit about my, uh, my transformation, my experience with my transformation with an audience who was open and receptive to that. So it's like, I'm not talking to four, like people that don't understand the whole, they're there for that reason. And, and so they're fully open to listening and, and supporting and, and just like, and, and, and receiving it. And here I'm sitting in my car, creating these stories in my head and, and thinking of ways that I can just get out of this. Um, I mean, I went as far as to think of, Hey, I'm going to call and say, I have an emergency, a family emergency, and I have to go. And I was like, there's no way if I do that, I'm never, you know, I'll, I'll, that'll be it, you know? And so I, I just went inside and I pulled him aside and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm really nervous right now. Like, 
I can't describe to you in words how nervous I feel, but I feel like my body is shaking inside. Like I, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> and he said, you know, he said, I been doing this for 40 years. And he said, I still get nervous before I go up. I still get butterflies. I used to throw up. And, and I was like, okay, but I'm still like shaking over here. <laughs> Somebody came up and they gave me some uh, flower essence stuff to put under my tongue. That was for anxiety. And, um, and then while they're giving me that, he's like secretly putting the microphone on my shirt. And then he's like, time to go. And I was like, okay. And I go in and this was all, I think the level of anxiety also was that this was being recorded and going on a DVD series for the whole world to get. Like anybody that wanted to get certified is going to get this DVD course and I will be giving a talk at the end of it, you know, sharing my experience. And so, you know, the cameras are on, the lights are on and I'm mic'd up and it's like this whole thing of like, wow. But the the positive part about the whole thing is like, it was an, it was an intense moment. And then when I got through the other side, everybody was coming up saying, that was a really good share. I appreciate, you know, your, your transparency and vulnerability. Cause the first thing I said was like, right now I can't even look out at you guys because I'm, I'm just really nervous. And I was looking at the floor for probably the first 30 seconds and my hand was shaking with the microphone. And then after about 30 seconds, I was able to like look out into the audience and actually get like connect with people. But it took me almost 30, 45 seconds to like, sink into that. But I was totally transparent about my experience that I was feeling in that moment. And I found that that helped rather than trying to bypass it and just be like, nothing's wrong. I'm a soldier. I'm a, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm strong. It's like, no, actually I'm pretty tender right now and I'm feeling something and here, here's what it is. And I, I, I look back at it now and I think people really um, appreciated that because, you know, that's just, it was the honest truth. And then I could just share openly about my experience. So that was a, that was a moment, uh, after I was done with it and people were saying, that was a great, uh, share. We appreciate that. I was like, really? I felt like I was like, I need to go back and watch this. And I'm like, that's just a perfectionist wanting to go right, back and critique right. myself and say, you didn't do this right. You know? So there's, there's nothing that beats authenticity. Uh, it, it's hands yes. down. But what you, what you were experiencing is it's the movie of life, right? This movie, you have this, this whole, the lights are up, the people are there. Like, this is the movie. You're supposed to play a role. You're supposed to be perfect. This is your story. It's going right. to be, it's going to be cemented in that DVD forever. <laughs> There's no turning it back. <laughs> but I, I'm so glad that I had the experience to feel that and to go through that level of intensity because after I finished, I, I was able to go, wow, I just crossed through something that was a huge, like, uh, in my life at that point was like, uh, that was a big milestone mm-hmm. to go through and come out the other side. Like, okay, I made it. <laughs> I could do this again. And if, and it's okay to feel that and it's okay to share the vulnerability behind that. And just, I think that was the, the, the start of trusting myself to open up and to be, you know, like to share what's really going on. And I think it's important for people to know, like, so you get behind the mic for your podcast or your videos, like you're still experiencing fear. Like I still, I mean, I even had it this morning. I was like, oh, I even had this thought. It would be like, it would be so much easier if you just didn't have a podcast. Like that's the thought I had this morning. And I'm like, Ian's coming over. We're having dinner. We haven't seen him in two years. Like this is going to be amazing. And it doesn't matter. Like why are you putting all this pressure on yourself? So I think it's important for people to understand that like, you're still going to have the fear. You're still going to get those anxious moments. You're still going to have the swirly energy, right? You're still going to have those things. But 
you change your relationship with them. Like you still do it anyway. Like it doesn't, it gets, it does get easier. Mm-hmm. It does get easier. What have you found to be like on the other side of fear? Liberation. Like mm. uh, being just fully liberated and, and, and being able to stand in my truth and be fully expressed, you know, like that is, there's magic on the other side of that fear. And it really takes something to, it takes a lot of courage and it takes just a lot of, um, I guess courage is probably the best word, just to step into it and step through it. And on the other side is freedom and liberation from whatever you're feeling. Because once you make it through that and you get to the other side, you realize that wasn't that big. That, you know, what I, what I was experiencing was real in that moment. But after you get through it and you look back, it's when I would look back, I go, I look at it and go, that wasn't that bad really wasn't. But in that moment, it felt like the whole world was coming down on top of me. Do you feel more like yourself, your true self when you come out the other side? Do you feel more, I guess, alignment? Do you feel more alignment with who you believe you are? It's, I guess the best way I could describe it is like taking steps in the right direction, like little, little micro Mm. steps forward and stepping into the truth, my truth and who I am. And, um, and trusting myself that, that everything is perfect. You know, like if I experience some fear and it comes in or, or, or there's some sort of emotion coming up and anxiety of some sort, just embracing it, feeling it and not trying to fight it and change it, just like go into it and, and share it. Because I, I've noticed that the more vulnerable and um, the real, the more raw and realness that I can share, um, the more others can relate to that because I think a lot of people experience the level of anxiety behind speaking. Even if you've taken, you know, classes and things and, and, and become a, an expert speaker, I, I, I'd say that there's a lot of people out there who actually get some sort of nervous tension. Yeah. Cause think, the, well, the classes aren't going to heal the unworthiness that we are so victim the programming. to. Yeah. The programming as humans, right? Is it enough? Is, was it good enough? No, it was great. Are you sure? You know, I should do it again. I should, I should watch it and make sure. Like, yeah. did you ever watch that video? I, I've seen clips of it, but I've never okay. actually watched the whole it's thing. It's probably a good but thing. But like, what's interesting now, it's fast forward. This was 20, I think 2015 or 16 when that came out. So it's been out for a while and a lot of people have taken the course and I'll get emails from time to time. People saying, I just watched the DVD course and I, I heard your talk and it was really inspiring to hear. And, um, and so I just, I really appreciate, you know, getting the feedback from other people to hear that there was some level of impact that was, that was received from that vulnerable share in that time. And, uh, yes. to know that that's still, you know, go circulating around out there is, um, it's just a reminder for me to go, Hey, that, that, that led me into an area that, you know, I have a little tiny piece in the world where I've like done something and, and, and possibly made an impact in somebody's life, you know, or, or, or maybe they found some hope or inspiration through what I shared. And that just feels really good to uh, receive that. And so that. It does. It feels really good. Like whenever we get an email or anything like that, and it's like, I don't think people understand the medicine that that, that that lends, um, a person who puts themselves out there. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. It's like, okay, it's, it's worth it. Like it's all worth it. The nervousness, the, is it enough? Like, oh my God, the new mic wire, was it okay? You know, all this stuff and just, 
constantly week after week, like talk after talk, video after video, you're putting yourself out there. And it's like, it's absolute, just beautiful antidote for that ego voice that can be so gnarly Mm -hmm. and wanting to keep us small. Totally. And just acknowledging that ego voice and, and, and like, um, I've been doing a lot of what they call shadow work and inner child work and like really connecting back to that, um, you know, zero to seven years old, your ego is not really active at that time. And then, you know, after eight, nine, 10, you're, you're developing that ego slowly. And, uh, it's just like where I'm at now is, 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 is acknowledging, like seeing the ego when it starts to come online and just, uh, kind of checking in with it. And I've noticed that as I acknowledge it and, and I'm aware that it's, it's, it's there in the background, I'm able to, to shift into like a, a higher, you know, instead of operating from the ego, um, going into the heart and like actually speaking from that truth rather than the head and the ego. Yeah, because the ego is not in the heart at all. Not so at let's all. let's dive in. This is a perfect segue. Let's dive into this a little bit. Um, explain what like shadow work and inner child work is. What is that? There's um, so this is very new material for me. The shadow work is you know is is where you're really getting into the the deeper material that's been generally buried down and suppressed, and is is you. you most people don't talk about it. It's like kind of that stuff that stays in the closet and doesn't come up a lot. And so those, that shadow work can be quite, um, intense because you're, you're, you, and for some people, they have to, they have to really go back and, and trace through a lot of things in order to even get it up so they can be conscious of it. Cause some, sometimes those emotions are packed down so deep that you, you don't, some people don't even have access to it. They have to get some, some assistance with that. Uh, for me, the shadow work has been, um, fairly easy to come up to the surface, I think, because of the meditations and the, these vipassanas of sitting in silence and allowing things to come up to the surface. And so I've been able to kind of break through some ground on that. So now when I, when I'm working with a practitioner and, and we're, we're talking about things from childhood and things, I'm re- able to recall a lot of the, 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 the dark things that, you know, I don't really discuss a whole lot. I'm able to identify and, 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 and get like present to that and, and describe it. And, uh, so shadow work is something that <clears throat> there's a lot of layers in there because you're tracing back to childhood and the inner child work is, um, they kind of go hand in hand because the inner child work is more, you know, you're going back to that little person inside and depending on your environment that you grew up in, you know, that little person experience things in a whole different way. Uh, however, whatever you experienced goes on to shape your paradigm. And that paradigm is what the patterns that you repeat basically 85% of the time throughout the day. And that's your subconscious mind. You know, you're the programming is what they say. Yeah. So this is, this stuff is conducting your reality. And, um, we were talking off mic, like about different we're sharing stories about different emotional releases that we've had. And I said, like, I spent years kind of poking and prodding energy work and, um, you know, lots of different kinds of things, um, past life regression and trauma work and all this stuff to kind of poke and prod and start to get the batter off the side of the bowl. Because there's so, there, there's so, there was so much, I'll, I'll personalize it so much about my life that was conducting my reality that I couldn't see. Like if I was going to take my life and put it on paper, it looked great, mm. but there was so much of that stuff. And so I think it's, 
I think it's important to go deep. Like if we're not going deep enough, we're we're not getting to the good stuff, right? And and the shadow, like we don't need to hide our darkness or our light. And the sh- and the shadow stuff is the good stuff because there's so much. You use that word liberation. There's so much liberation on the other side of it because it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's truly what we came here to experience. And if we are the ones that are blessed enough to be able to unearth it and to see it. It's just an absolute journey of purification of body and mind and, and freedom on the other side. Mm, that's yeah. That You said that uh, very well. I think uh, it's, it's yeah, it's like once you go through all of that and you're able to come out the other side with a different, a different viewpoint of, everything really yeah it's uh it's there, there's so much so much power in unpacking that whole like the shadow and, and acknowledging it and it's something that you know zero to seven years old we're really not in control of you know we're just kind of in the environment and we're observing and 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 just taking in information at that point we don't have the skill sets yet to really you know go and rent a place and be on our own you know we're just kind of having to be in that in that environment and so once, once, once you reach adulthood and you start, like for me, I started to realize certain patterns and I got really clear that I'm seeing these patterns repeating themselves over and over and over again in relationships and friendships and business. And I, and I said, wow, you know, this is, this is, uh, I can see the patterns very clearly. I can see where they're repeating themselves and this is going to stop now. And I made the clear, like clear decision right there that it's going to stop right now. There will be no more of this. And, you know, I just kind of uh, set my, I, I was very clear with that. And then moving into that, it was like, I was really open to, uh, to going deeper with that. And it really is. It's a decision. Like my friend Golden always says, like, when you decide, like when you decide that you're not going to live like this anymore, you decide that you want to break these patterns, like decide and then take the action that supports that decision. Like it really is like, okay, I'm done. Like th- th- no more. Getting really clear because <laughs> when you do that, when you, when you, when you have that talk to yourself and you're like, okay, this is it. And you really mean it. And then take the action steps to get into that. Uh, I, I believe that's when it all comes online. That's when the rubber meets the road. Yeah, I, This is all <sighs> verging on this question i'm sure our audience is asking is like uh why would i want to change anything right now everything's good like mm-hmm. i'm good right now like everything is good let's put the pandemic aside like everything i'm good i got this i got my job and my family and what you both just described really opens up the door to why you would want to do that like when you begin to question when you begin to uh well let's back it up let's create the space let's begin meditating and just see what is is happening. Is it really that good? Is it something that um, I want to change? Because do people want to do something that's challenging? Like change is challenging. So why would someone want to do this? That's a great question. Oh, wow. I just had to sit with that for a second and just <laughs> uh, process that because um, I, so many things come to mind. Um, you know, I, I know I've got friends who are entrepreneurs and do very well financially on the outside may appear that they have all of the things that one could want, you know, and, and then if you really unpack it or, or have a deeper conversation with them and ask some really creative questions that get them to drop into their heart space and not their head space. Uh, what, what we've, what I've found at least is that 
there's a sense of like loneliness in there. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's like I have all these materialistic things, but at the end of the day, I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like that connection. So there's like a, uh, there's a disconnection in like emotional intimacy. And so I, that's, that's, uh, I feel like that is, that is a, um, that, that feeling of loneliness. I know those, I know some people that do really well with all the areas of their life, but when they really start to take a look at things and, and, and just take a deeper look into the emotional part of it, there's a lot of common threads there where people feel, you know, lonely at the end of the day or, uh, so I think the, the shadow work is like, it's not so much about trying to change anything. It's just identifying with what is, what's there. And because a lot of this stuff gets, you know, com- uh, suppressed, suppressed, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really get talked about a whole lot unless you grew up that way. Uh, most people don't. Uh, then, no, we didn't talk no. about anything. We, yeah, it's like you kind <laughs> of keep that down. And Aunt Lucy's coming. We don't mention anything, right? <laughs> and if you do, everybody's like, "Are, are they okay?" Right. Um, Might be asked to leave. What's going on right. over there? And so it's it's not really common to do that unless you're in a community that's as supportive of that and that type of work. I mean, we live here in Encinitas, where there's like, you know, that type of stuff is pretty common in Encinitas, where where I'm at, and 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 a lot of the people that I know are doing that work. And, um, I got exposed to it a couple of years ago. And in the beginning, I, I had that same thought, like, I don't need to do this stuff. You know, this is kind of silly. And now here I am at 40 and I go, you know, this is actually exactly what I need. But a couple of years ago, I wasn't ready for that. You know, it just wasn't online for me yet. So now that it is, I feel inspired to, you know, use my own self as an example, 40 years of living a life that was suppressed and, you know, not really able to connect with my, with my heart space and, and to be able to, you know, not, all the conversations that I would have were very surface driven. They weren't deeper levels of curiosity and really getting into somebody else's world. Uh, there was a level of like protection that I would, you know, uh, like armor that I would have on, uh, to not let somebody truly see me. But as I keep going into this shadow work and inner child work and stuff, start unpacking that. I find like I, I'm actually really curious about somebody else's world. And I, I'm also open to sharing mine, you know, what's in there, because I know that every time that I can, I can get into bringing that up to the surface, it's there's a level of healing that happens just from the, the sharing and being vulnerable and, and dropping in with uh, deeper conversations with friends and, you know, just exposing that, bringing it up. It's like taking the bandaid off and there it comes, you know, it's, yeah, when we look at loneliness, you know, the ego is um, – I remember in yoga teacher training, our teacher talked a lot about the ego. Like it wasn't about the angle of your back heel. He could care less about that. It was all about like the ego and learning about that and learning about the false self and the lower self. And I asked him once, I said, how would you describe the ego? Like I kind of – I'm having a hard time like understanding it, you know? And he said, it's a separation device. And that really stuck with me. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I get it. Because I un- I hear that we are all connected, but I don't get that, you know? And it was because I was living through that eye of the ego. And when we look at loneliness, um, when we look at feeling isolated, when we feel like we need to protect ourselves and we shut down and we close our hearts, that's all ego being, mm-hmm. oh yeah, stay right there by yourself. Safe zone. And now you're opening and you're connecting with people and you're talking about real stuff and the mindless chatter conversations are gone. Thank God. Those drive me crazy. 
And now the ego is, is threatened, right? I mean, it's going to be threatened. This energy is going to be threatened. And as long as we're in a body, we're going to be susceptible to the ego. But same thing with the fear. Same thing with, you know, the, the shadow part of ourselves that is, you know, was conducting our reality. We just see it. We go, okay, I see you. Like, and not only do I see you, but high level of spiritual intelligence, I would say is I see you and I love you. Totally. Yeah. You're shifting the way you're looking at it. And rather than trying to suppress it and shut it down, you're just like able to acknowledge it, accept it and, 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 and show it, uh, just give it some attention and not trying to, sh you know, push it away. And that's, that's where some magic gets created is, um, when you, it's, it's making those connections, um, with those, those lower vibrate, like the ego is just, it's, it's always going to be there. It's just a, it's. It's something that's, it's never going to go away. Just like thoughts will never stop. You can't stop them. Mm -hmm. As you'd be a, a masterful meditator and you still can't stop your thoughts. You can slow them down, you know, but you're never going to, they're never going to go away totally. So the, uh, the acknowledging of the whatever's coming up and then learning to reframe it and just appreciating it for. It's always in our response, isn't it? Like we're really, we're, we're fine tuning and getting masterful about our response. And responding to the things like the, the ego and the negative self-talk or the judgment of ourselves or others or whatever it may be. It's really it, this whole thing. It's always about changing our response, changing the response to the pain that you felt in the Vipassana, changing the response to the darkness, mm -hmm. changing our response to like, well, my life is good enough. It's like, well, wait a minute. I want to change my response to that. Like, what's good enough? Like, good enough. I don't, good enough's no good for me. I mean, I really believe that we're here to express fully. And in order to express fully, we gotta, we gotta see what's in the corners. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay if you don't want to do it. It's okay if you've already shut the podcast off. And it's okay if you're turning it up going, okay, I need to start poking and prodding at this. Like wherever you are, it's perfect. You weren't ready for it two years ago, but now you are. Yeah. It so wouldn't have gone anywhere two years ago. The seeds just got planted two years ago. You know, it was just like, it was out in the, in the, in the field, but I, I didn't really identify with it totally. It just wasn't a yes. Same with the Vipassana. I had heard about it a year prior to going and a friend of mine went and I was, I remember her saying, I'm going to be off grid. And I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? <laughs> off grid, no connection. I'm, I'm imagining she's sleeping in the middle of the desert in a tent and it's nothing like that. And I was just creating that story. And then what's interesting is like, uh, so she had her experience there. And then a year later, right before my birthday, uh, somebody that I was seeing at that time had mentioned the Vipassana again. And I, so I started looking it up and researching it. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. But a year prior to that, I just only heard it, heard of it, what it was, but I didn't really grasp the whole nature of what it is exactly. I just knew it was like off grid and meditation. And then a year later, I'm, I'm going in on my birthday and, and actually sitting for the first, ten, first time for 10 days in silence. But that's how it happens. It's, we have the story in our head. And so you, ch you challenge the story. You just uh, took ownership of it too. You took ownership of what, if you took ownership back of your mind. And, and then just step into it. Right. And just, uh, yeah, stories are, they, they're just, it's always, my mind fascinates me just how it creates things. And I have to ask questions like, is that true? Mm. Oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a great question. Qu that should yep. be on a sticky note on everyone's bathroom mirror, right? Like, is, is it, it true? true? I, I love Brene Brown's work. I get, uh, print off all the worksheets that she has <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, 
if I'm in a, in a situation where I'm questioning something or I'll just address it with the person. I'll say, Hey, you know, my, my mind is I'm creating this story that you don't like me anymore. Is that true? <laughs> you know, like, you know, you get to say yes or no. Right. It's, uh, I just, just put it out there or, um, you know, you could use that with anything. Is it true? And it's so, it just opens up the, the conversation for like to hear somebody else's. Yeah. She's doing good work. Do you know, um, Byron Katie, Katie's work? Yes. The work. Yes. I mean, that, that changed my life. Yeah. Uh, Byron Katie and, and Brene Brown, they're just like, they're so masterful with their. Yeah. With, and uh, Byron Katie's story. So her, Byron Katie's book is Loving What Is, such a game changer. But one of the questions, um, I asked myself a lot and, um, I was actually just journaling on this question this morning. Who would you be without that thought? Mm. You, so my, what I was journaling about this morning was like, what if I just didn't judge or label how I felt? What if I just didn't do that? You mean just like be with it? What, yeah. Not, like not just be it with it, it as opposed to like I woke up in the middle of the night and I was feeling really anxious. Well, what if I just, if I just experienced it without the intellectual labeling and the, and the trying to figure it out? What if I just experienced it? Who would I be if I just stopped judging how I felt, how mm. the body, like yesterday, my physical body felt really tired and it didn't feel very good. And so I rested it and I just let it be there and I just watched it and observed and I watched how the mind wanted to label and, kind of condemn my whole week into not feeling good. And so I was just, it sparked a journal this morning. And that's what I was asking is like, who would I be without that thought? I love that. Like, who would you be without that thought? Because you're not your thoughts. You're you're not. No, but you'll hear someone say like, oh, my anxiety. My anxiety got acted. Well, who would you it. be without that thought? Yeah. Who would you be without the thought that that anxiety is yours, number one. Like, it's mine. I always say, like, don't own it. You don't You don't have to make it yours. Right. I'm just an anxious person. That's yeah. Or, um, gosh, I can never seem to get ahead. Well, who would you be without that thought? I mean, that's an easy answer, right? You'd be somebody who was always ahead. Yeah. That's the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, uh, there, there's, yeah, there's some, some kind of, um, that's a good question to, to definitely take into the... Yeah. And then Byron Katie would say, well, then why, you, like... Is it worth hanging on to? Yeah. Well, why are you keeping yeah. it then? If it's keeping you from who you want to be, so you say, who who am I without this thought? And you go, well, I'd be free. Okay. Well, do you want to be free? Yeah. All right. Well, then she would say, why are you keeping that thought? So why are you fighting for your limitations mm. in life? Why why are you fighting so much to be what you what you what you what you're vocalizing? Yet it's not moving you down the path of where you truly want to go. Mm. And a lot of times it's because it's just what you've repeated. And I think over time, just, over it, and over, and it's comfortable because you know. Yeah, I think I it already just, know the outcome. It starts from that. to create more space in a place that maybe there isn't space, right? Like, who would I be without this? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm going to use that and journal on that. You know, when the <laughs> like kind of play that through and just notice what comes up. Yeah, I've not. I've not tried that one. Yeah, you're you're going to be the person that is in your heart right now, right? Like. Because limitate the only limitations we have are the ones in our minds. Totally, yeah. That's, mm -hmm. And that's just that's all created. You know, it's it, it can be it can be de uh, you can deconstruct that you can tear that wall down, and then what's behind that? Like abundance, 
limitless. <laughs> Why not? Like, Why what not? do we all want to be? We want to be rich and we want to be healthy. Wealthy. We want to be healthy. Well, maybe <laughs> not everybody wants to be rich, but I mean, like, we want to be financially secure. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy. But, we want to have strong, beautiful, connected relationships. And our thoughts keep us from those things. Agreed. Ugh. Being able to identify with that, that it's, it's, it's just those thoughts and you can reframe the thoughts. Like yeah. you can, if you, if you're noticing something come through, you can step back from it, reframe it, or even journal, write about it. I always find that to be helpful, writing things down, just like getting it out of the mind mm-hmm. down on the paper. Yeah. And then it journaling becomes, is yeah. Yeah. huge. Let's talk about, you just had some alone time. Um, let's talk about your amazing trip and why you decided to do it. Yeah. That this trip has been really, um, intense and also exciting at the same time. A lot of, uh, a lot of unfolding, um, a lot of things coming up to the surface. So, um, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I left a job position that was, um, a huge financial supporter for me. And then went on into the Vipassana and then coming out to the, this whole COVID pandemic happening and then, uh, a relationship ending. And then, uh, like just all of these different things that were coming online. I'm going, I'm just looking at myself rather than blaming anybody or anything. I'm just looking at myself going, okay, well, what is, you know, just looking at myself to see kind of scanning over my body to go, oh, yeah, you know, you may, you came up a little short there. You could have done a better job there. And just getting really real with myself of uh, taking a good like inventory check, mm-hmm. like what needs to be tuned up and upgraded? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm the type of man that I like to, uh, I like to take a good look at myself from time to time and just, and be r- just real with myself and go, okay, yeah, there's uh you know, a little bit of work needs to be done here. Need to address some things. And I, I love to challenge myself to up level to be the best version that I can be of myself. And, and when all of this stuff, the, the accumulation of all these things that happened that I experienced over the last couple of months, I just, I felt this, um, I felt myself starting to get pretty tender and I started, I started to realize that there were some patterns that just kept repeating and I was able to see it really clearly and see the parts that you know, I was taking responsibility for my, for w- what I, I created it all really. And so I just started to, uh, I started getting into a tender place. I noticed I, I was getting really emotional. Like I would just, I would start thinking about a situation or something and then I would just start crying, just let it go. And up until that point, I just always held it in. I never really had a good cry. It was just like a, you know, I might cry for 20 seconds and that's it. And then I got into this phase of like recently where it was like really intense crying. Like there's some stuff really getting moved around in there. And so I was like, wow, this feels good. I'm going to keep, you know, keep leaning into that. Let it come up. And then I started to feel the intensity of, um, of this whole pandemic of things being shut down and slowly starting to reopen. But I noticed myself kind of, I felt like I was in a wash machine on spin cycle, just repeating rinse, repeat. And I felt stagnation happening. And I, when that happens for me, I start to my, when I feel stuck in anything, I, I, for me, at least the best medicine is to get in the car and drive. And it could be a short trip. It could be a long trip. In this case, I set it up as a nine day trip. Um, I, I experienced a lot of challenges actually leading up to it, um, from my car having some issues and then, you know, they weren't able to fix it. And they're like, you're going to need a, a new engine. And, uh, I was like, wow, that's a, you know, that's a whole, I wasn't expecting that. And then it was like stepping into, 
I'm committed to going on this and I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. And so I, I started researching, um, renting a van and like a cargo van and ended up finding out a really good deal on it. Uh, $21 a day for a cargo van for nine days. It was like, like a couple hundred bucks and, um, unlimited miles. And I decided to set out on to get out of town and just like put myself on the road with no itinerary, um, going to places I'd never been, which, uh, when I thought about it, I was imagining what it would be like traveling with no itinerary, just like I have an idea. I want to go to Northern California. Okay, great. That's about, and then slowly things, people are like, Oh, you should check this place out. You maybe go here and go there. And I got all this great information. And, um, and as I was uh, sitting with the whole thought of it all, I was just I was imagining what it would be like to go to these places. And all I had to do was just get in the car and start driving. And then I it just came through. It's like that window time was like a meditation for me. And it just I, I, I headed to one location, you know, and started uh, up in uh, northern California outside of Sacramento. It's a place called Avenue of the Giants. Mm. Have you ever heard of that? No. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. It's um, right inside the Redwood Forest. And it was, uh, that was the start of the trip. So I spent uh, the first, it was a nine day trip, rented this van and uh, put a bed in the back and um, created like a, a makeshift kind of uh, like a build out, but it was nothing like I didn't use any, I, I used what I had. So put a table in there, strapped it to the wall, had the bed, I have water, you know, I have a little, uh, a little propane stove and just the bare necessities and food. And then I hit the road and, uh, no itinerary, but everything came together. And I was, as I was leaving this stuck energy that I was experiencing here over and over again, I was kept coming up and this tenderness that I was also experiencing. I said, you know, this is time to go get in the car and just drive. And as I, got into the drive. It took two days for me to really get out of my mind, you know, fear of missing out on things or, uh, stories getting created around all these other, uh, around events and things. And then I finally just let go and, and got present with, I'm in the Redwood Forest. I've never been here and just let that sink in. And then I, I found like myself starting to slow down and actually be able to be in the environment and appreciate it. And it took, I noticed that I was maybe a little agitated, I guess. My mind was a little bit worked up around things because I was processing so much, so many emotions were coming up. And uh, eventually I got to a place on this whole trip where it's like a couple of days in where uh, the intensity level went up for me. Like more, what I mean is like more uh, emotions came up to the surface where I was, I noticed myself just like listening to a song and just start bawling, crying, like I couldn't hold it back. It was just intense. And, you know, I know when that stuff comes up, there's something good. That's something's <laughs> coming side. up for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just lean into it. And I just kept letting it come up and I'm alone on the trip. So eight days in, in the forest was very healing to allow myself, give myself permission to experience that, that full range of emotions. And I would go from like a full on cry to a la hysterically laughing was like back and forth. I, I was like wild, but, um, it was, and then I'd go through waves of that and it was just really healing. It felt good to let that stuff come up. You did, um, some hot, cold work on the body, didn't you? Yes. Where, where was that? Um, 
you were like in a sauna and then you went into the cold tub. Yeah, there's a local uh, gal that, that I know. so cool. And uh, she's in, not Escondido. It's like between Escondido and San Marcos. And she has, uh, it's called the- Oh, de- it's here? Yeah. Detox Cottage. Oh my gosh, cottage. I thought it was- It was on, I was on my way out. So the Detox Cottage is actually here. In, it's more San Marcos. Oh, I'll be going to the Detox wow. Cottage. And, yeah. So she offers um, a co-ed space once a month for both men and women. For, so if you have a partner, you want to go together, you can do that once a month. Other than that, it's more of a women's retreat and she offers that regularly. And so, um, so it's like a safe space for ladies to go and, and like have their, their day. And it's, she has a beautiful space out there, um, in San Marcos. It's, it's off the beaten path. It's just she, the way she's got fruit trees out there. She's got two infrared saunas. Um, I think there are three person saunas and then she's got the, uh, the ice bath. She's got, all these little tools and she's a, a, a master with like herbs and stuff. And she's just got all these uh, elixirs and tonics and, you know, it's just, she's really dialed in. Oh, that's, I thought you did that up in Northern California. So you did that on your way out of town. I did that one on my way out of town. And then when I got to Northern California, I was jumping in the cold water, like the, the rivers and the lakes and stuff. Mm. And that was, uh, that was really nice. So I, but I didn't, I was missing the, the heat element, you know, yeah. I didn't have the infrared, but you know, they're just the cold plunges. It's really um, invigorating and it's really wakes up, brings everything online. What was your favorite part of the trip? Not having an itinerary, uh, what was the biggest gift? I think just the, uh, the, sen- the, the freedom of letting go and, and not, not having to have an itinerary and just literally tapping into what felt good. Like, okay, I can stay an extra day here if I want. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just stay here the whole time if I want. And just like really getting present with that, I can, I, I have the, I, I have the freedom to do that in this moment, but the, I think the, every place that I visited, so I, I started out in the Redwood Forest, then I went up to Bend, Oregon, and then I came down to Crater Lake, and then Shasta, Mount Shasta, and then over to Tahoe, and then Mammoth Lakes, and then home. So I, I hit a lot of beautiful places, and every place had its own unique kind of vibe to it, and I was just appreciating every single, every part of it because it, there was just little magical pieces in every single place. And I'd never been to any of them. So everything was brand new. It really forced me to be in the present moment. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but if you go on a drive somewhere and you've never been, you really can't go on autopilot because you've never been and you have to be present with the road. You have to, you know, you don't know where the food stores are at. You don't know where gas is at. You have to look out for it. So if you, if you go unconscious for a moment, you're, you're like, you might pass by a gas station with really great low prices on gas, or you might pass a grocery store that you, you know, you might want to, might be more of what you are looking for. So I love driving to places like that because it keeps me present. Like I have to be really focused. I don't know where I'm going. And I also was looking for places where I was going to stay the night, you know, so it's really keeps me in the zone. And, uh, and that was helpful because then it it just keeps me present and my mind's not off in other places. Yeah, you're just experiencing the precious moments of your life, which totally. every moment is a precious moment. We just we miss so much of it. So as we wrap this up, what um what's going on now with Ian Myers Wellness? What do you got going on? What uh what are you passionate about? Where pe- can people find you? Well, there's been a lot of new things that have happened. I shared the, the, the emotional part of this whole journey for me is like where I'm at currently and feeling really inspired to 
through my own experience, be able to go on and, and help others move through uh, a process that they may be ready to take on or may, may be curious about things um, or may have some trauma or P- PTSD that they may want to move through. And that's uh, a part of what I'm moving into, transitioning into more of that work. Whereas like the, the, the holistic health coaching is always a part of it, you know, and so I still am very passionate about that, but I love to teach through my own experience, you know, like what's really true for me in the moment. Cause then I'm, I'm bringing a level of passion and uh, dedication behind it. That's like, I'm just fully present in it and I'm excited, you know, and I can transfer that energy over to whomever I'm working with. And it's usually that's where rapid transformation happens. So I'm moving into a new space, you know, there's a, uh, that's what's coming online for me right now is just uh, going going through this process um, of this emotional healing and then being able to take that and um, create some um, opportunities either through I haven't quite decided if it's going to be a, like an online program or if it'll be a live workshop. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but that's what's coming up. It's such important work. It's such important work. I'm so grateful that you're doing it. Oh, thank you. It's and then, yeah, also talk about your um, your group in Moonlight. Yeah. Moonlight, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, locals, listen yes. up. So there is a special um, offering that we created. Just uh, a friend of mine, uh, Daniel and I, we were chatting one day about meditation, you know, and I just finished the Vipassana. So I was excited about that and sharing that with him. And what's interesting is uh, Daniel is a friend of mine, but we never really spent a whole lot of time together. We just were kind of acquaintances. And I noticed one day he was at the same spot at Moonlight um, up there at the top. And I looked over and I saw him. He was just sitting there and he was meditating. And that's exactly what I was going to do. And then I dropped into meditation. When I came up, he was gone. And we didn't really put two and two together until we linked up days later. He's like, you know, I think I remember seeing you there. And I was like, I saw you too. And, uh, and then we were like, well, why don't we do it together? You know, let's, let's actually meet up and, uh, and we'll just, we'll, you know, collectively do this meditation together and just see what happens. And uh, that night, uh, I had two friends who contacted me and I said, Hey, I just want to invite you guys, if you're up, op- if you're open, uh, to come and join us. And so it was, uh, it was a total of four of us. We all met up that morning and, what was funny about it is the other two guys that I spoke to on the phone, when they showed up, they were like, oh, we know Daniel. And so like <laughs> right there, there's synergy and we're just all like getting a good laugh out of it. And so we, uh, we sit down, we, we, before we even got into the meditation, there was, uh, there was one man that came up on a bike and he, um, he came up and, and one of the guys in the group just said, Hey, do you want to join us for meditation? We're just sitting down doing a meditation, a little bit of breath work and, yeah, I could see he was kind of interested, but like not really sure. And so we just, uh, we, we just kept it really light. And the next morning he showed up. He came, he came the next morning. We're like, we're doing this every day, 6.30 a.m. to about 7.30, 7.45. So about an hour. And we do it every day. And, um, you just come with a yoga mat or a towel or something to sit on. And, uh, so we started out with four people. The next day we had the, the, the gentleman that was on the bike. He came up. <laughs> and then before we closed that day to, uh, to leave, there was another man that was out doing some handstands in the, in the grassy area. And one of the other guys that came, uh, that was there the first day, he goes out and said, Hey, uh, we're doing meditation over here tomorrow and every day. If you want to come join us and he showed up the next day. So now we go from four to like, uh, was that five, six people? Um, literally within 24 hours. And then it just kept growing. And now we're up to like 12 to 13 people 
in, in about a month's time. And the way that we structure this is it's very open. It's not like, uh, you don't have to be experienced. You don't have to know anything. You just show up and just with an open mind. And all it is, is we're sitting, we do five to 10 minutes of breath work. We, uh, then go straight from that into the meditation for 30 minutes. And, you know, there's no, um, there's so many different ways you can meditate. You can focus on, on a, a specific shape or a, a person, a god or goddess, or, or you can just, you know, Vipassana is like, you're not thinking about anything. You're just scanning your body. So a lot of different ways you can meditate. And we're not, we're not there saying you have to do it one way or the other. It's just you have your own experience. We're just there as like to, to, to create a community of people that want to, um, sit and, and just experience that in a collective energy. And what, what we're finding is like, now that we've been doing this consistently every day for about a month now is the feedback that we're getting from the people that have joined. Some are, have done a little bit of meditation. Some have not done any, uh, but everybody's sharing the same thing. They're like, this has been so helpful. This has been, you know, just, I feel the, the energy in the circle. And so it's, you know, after hearing it one time, it's like, okay, that's kind of, that's interesting feedback. And then you hear it again and again and again. And it's, it's pretty clear that there's a power, there's a specific power uh, an energetic frequency that gets created when you have people intentionally sitting in a meditation together. And whether you go into a deep meditation or if you're just like sitting there and just in that presence, it, everybody's receiving something. So there's some shifts that happen. And, uh, so it's been really fun these last couple of weeks to just, uh, you know, seeing these beautiful relationships being created, you know, friendships, um, support, you know, Everybody's in their experiencing life differently. Everybody has their own unique things that come up for them. But what's great is like after we get done with the meditation, we spend about 10 or 15 minutes. If you have time, you don't have to stay, but we do like a conscious share at the end. Most people stick around for it because they want to, you know, we ask, how was your experience and what was it like for you? And then you get to share that. And, and everybody's just really holding space for each person to have their own experience. It's, we're not coaching you. We're not telling you what to do. It's just, you get to have your own experience. So it's created a really fun space. And, and what I, what I can say is like, it's creating community. Oh my God. Absolutely. And it's so, such important work. I love that um, you're offering this. So that's <clears throat> at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas, 6.30 AM. Just show up. Just show up. And that's- just look for the really handsome, vulnerable <laughs> guy with the shadow self. <laughs> That's it. And a cape. He's going to have a cape and maybe, no, the mask is coming off. So it won't be a mask. Um, and we do, there's a man that, uh, Benjamin that's in the group and he, um, he has a 5.30 a.m. He does a, a core class on the beach. It's, you know, you can just jump in if you want to do some core stuff. And then he does a, an ocean plunge. And then everybody comes up to meditate. That's so cool. Um, I love it. What an amazing so, way. We got to get down there. Yeah, we should. It's fun. We, yeah. Good community. Um, everybody's just, what I really love and appreciate about the group is everybody's just like, everybody's just all on the same level. Everybody's there. They, they, they really want to start their day off on a good, on a, on a positive, you know, on a positive note and to have everybody just on the same, you know, energy, like everybody's there for a purpose. And, when we all leave, we're just, everybody feels really good. And, and some people, you know, like if you have a heart, if you have something challenging coming up, it's a, it's a place that you can just verbalize it and, and share it if you feel open to doing it. And there's something about verbalizing something within a group that's a safe container that people, you know, by verbalizing and acknowledging something, it's like 
then you can get that off of your chest. Imagine starting your every day, like being able to do a vulnerable share or whatever's true for you in the moment. And then you go on into your day. It's like, you're not carrying that anymore. You've now you've got that. You've said it, you've spoke it. And yeah. then, and then you can be, you know, you can move through it or, or be supported. Yeah. You know, like it. you don't have to hide it. You don't have to hide yeah. it. And what I find too, is like, once you speak it and you kind of hear yourself saying the words, you know, the mind always makes, wants to make such a big deal out of everything. It kind of lightens it a little bit. And then people get it, right? Because at our essence, we're, the, our struggles are, and our challenges are really, they're exact. You know, the words we use to describe them, how we would write them down on paper might look a little different, but at their essence, you know, it's, uh, we are the same. We are the same. Um, so where are you most active on social, online, where people can follow you? That's, um, I'd say probably Instagram. Instagram okay. and Facebook, because that now you can, you know, mm-hmm. connect the two. If you post on one, it goes yeah. to the other. So it's kind of goes back and forth, you know, cool. Facebook and Instagram. Um, their, uh, Facebook is Ian Michael Myers and Instagram is, um, at Ian Myers Wellness. And you've got a, um, Instagram account for your podcast. What's that? Yes. That is, um, I am, I am wellness, uh, podcast. Awesome. I am wellness underscore podcast. Awesome. And then there's uh, the YouTube channel, which has got a couple hundred videos that just, I went through a 30 day daily video. That was a lot of fun. That was a little marathon. And I'll, 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 re- I'll pick that back up, uh, cause it was inspiring for me to, you know, to do those every day. It was fun. I just, uh, needed to tend to my emotional body for, uh, for a little bit of time just to put some attention there. It's important. Yeah. Your people was, will welcome you back when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. We we'll just pick up right where we left off yeah. and, and have that level of transparency so I can share the, what the experience was like. So. Awesome. Um, one last thing. Wow. How many bananas are you up to? Now? <laughs> yeah. Oh last time it was like, uh, 15, <laughs> uh, you know, in the van, I have like a whole, probably the size of this table. And there's like, I don't know, there's probably like maybe 15 bananas in there just, you know, ripening. Um, but <laughs> I, awesome. um, on this trip, uh, I'll just share this real quick. So I bought all these bananas and they were, they were not quite ready to go. And I don't know if it was the change of the cold to the heat, but something happened where they just like got zapped. I lost probably, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 bananas. They just got soft and mushy. And it was like, I don't know what happened, mm. but, um, I, so I had to just kind of shift my, my, what I was consuming you know, during the day, cause all these bananas just went bad. My blender wasn't working. And I was like, okay, well, I thought I was going to make smoothies and that, that I, I didn't have the power source to do it. And so I had to like make some shifts. I had to kind of pivot in the moment. And so I found myself eating cereal, you know, like gluten-free cereal and having, um, uh, gluten-free bread, stuff that I don't normally eat regularly. And I, I was like peanut butter jelly sandwiches, you know, I, I'm going like, I'm doing inner child work and what would he want? Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. So I'm eating that like all day long and, uh, blowing through like a whole thing of peanut butter every two days. And, uh, like, yeah, that's the inner child wants that for sure. Um, so yeah, that was bananas. I'm probably, I, I they took a little break on the trip because I just didn't, <laughs> I was running into some challenges with uh, fresh fruit and stuff like that. I bought a whole thing of grapes and then they ended up going bad too because, you know, grapes, you got to wash them. Otherwise they got all the nasty yeah. stuff on it and they have holes in the bag. So they, you know, they get all kinds of funky stuff. I just didn't feel safe eating them. So I was like waiting, I'll find a place to wash these off. And I never, 
like three days went by and then they're like mushy. I'm like, okay, I give up. I'm not going to buy any more fresh fruit P right now. Peanut baby. Peanut butter jelly. Um, let's just keep it simple. Yeah. Go back to the basics. I did have three, three bananas in my smoothie this morning. We were listening to our original podcast with you this morning and uh, I had three bananas in my smoothie today. Mixed it up a little bit. Threw some ginger in there, some cinnamon, some cucumber, spinach, three bananas. It was delicious. We, we, we tried buying a box of bananas to see how that went and man that's a lot of bananas it is. a box of bananas we froze we ended up freezing a lot even like, with clark because clark eats you know one to two a day really yeah yeah wow. yeah oh he loves, yeah, he loves i know he's oh. pulling his weight man that's amazing i didn't I, I i don't think i've ever seen um a dog that would eat a banana uh, oh he my can god hear, he'll, he he yeah. can hear me go to reach for the top of the fridge where the bananas are he's can he he'll come down he knows yeah wow he knows that's, that's cool. Yeah. He knows. Well, he's getting his uh, <laughs> potassium in and his B vitamins and, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll be here tonight when we serve him dinner. You'll yeah. see. It's it's like just as good as what we're going to eat. Oh, excellent. Well, they, the, the bananas are like something that had been a staple for me, but taking a break from it and just like stepping back going, okay, mm. I can actually just give yourself permission to step back from your diet, you know, like your lifestyle and just be open to some, you know, some change. Right. Yeah. There was something really, um, there was something really beautiful that came out of that because I had to, that word surrender, like I had to, my blender, the power source I had, didn't have enough power to, to operate the blender. So it was like, okay, that didn't work out quite as planned. Uh, I wasn't finding places like juice bars along the way. I'm in the middle of the redwood forest. So like I had to get like, what, what's the next thing? What, what else can I I need to feed myself. So what can I have that's, you know, somewhat plant-based and high quality, the best I can do? And it was peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, uh, you know, cereal and, and those kinds of just simple stuff. But there was a, there was something that, that came up for me. It was just letting go of that, mm. you know, that, cause I have a, when I get into my daily practice and I get into routines, you know, it's every day I get up and have a smoothie. It's just normal routine. So to break out of that and to do a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or oatmeal, I was like, that's not, that feels really strange. It's heavy. It's, you know. It's I, so good though to look at even those narratives, like bananas are conducting your reality, right? Like we, we want to question everything and, and be able to break away from it. So um, yeah, you secretly created all of that. For yourself. <laughs> it was it, it was fun. It was a great adventure. In fact, uh, I rented the van for 15 more days and uh, I'm going to go back and f- for another seven days. That's go awesome. Back to Mount Shasta, do some, uh, some uh, podcasting perhaps from up there and um, start getting this next leg of uh, what I'll be creating uh, moving into the rest of this year. Uh, start bringing more of that online. Okay. I find when I travel and I get out of the, 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 the day-to-day routine here, I, I, my mind opens up a lot. Oh, totally. Yes. I encourage everybody to just break up that routine and, and, uh, thank you for coming back down here and spending some time with us. It was awesome to have you back on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. And, uh, yeah, in your beautiful new home. And thank you. um, Yeah. It's great to connect with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Well, we're going to have a beautiful dinner now. I was thinking about when I was making it earlier, I was like, just consciously putting so much love into it. So mm. we'll see. I'm excited. <laughs> I, just the thought of like, oh, we're about to have something really good. And A then bowl we have, of love, baby. I'm, I'm ready. I can, awesome. I can feel the hunger's working up. The appetite's coming. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.